Welcome to the Matt Report, a podcast for building businesses with WordPress. Subscribe to the Matt Report at mattreport.com forward slash subscribe. And now your host, Matt. What does being a freelancer mean to you? In today's episode, I'm joined by Paul Jarvis, or as I like to call him, the epitome of a freelancer. That is, if you define a freelancer to be one not only engaging in work for hire, but also creates product, has recurring revenue services, and is staking a claim in the hot software as a service market. I can relate. I've been running my own company for well over a decade. I employ a small team, have hundreds of clients, thousands of product customers, and still consider myself to be a freelancer. I say that because I am not married to one type of work. While it's all relatively similar, web services meets digital products, I'm not against changing my direction at any given time and finding something that better serves my business goals. I don't consider my work a singular job. Most pundits recommend uncovering a vertical and formulating a system to serve that vertical. I fly in the face of this advice. To some degree, if you build yourself to serve an exact customer with an exact system in every single engagement, it quickly evolves into a job, a repeatable task of sorts. What I enjoy about being a freelancer for hire is every engagement is new. It is a means to use the creative chaos of wrangling in a new project and getting paid for it, a salary that you determine as the freelancer. Learn from Mr. Jarvis. The buck doesn't stop with client services. God help you. The new age freelancer should be agile, creating new revenue streams different from trading time for dollars. For some, it's creating a course. For others, creating a private membership of like-minded people. Further, whatever your digital product might be, it doesn't stop with just one, but too many. Some will fail, others will skyrocket, most will, fairly, will be fairly mediocre. And that's okay, it's why you need to focus on the sales cycle. Oh, you hate marketing? You're not good at it? I'm sorry, but I hope you know by now that you don't subscribe to Build It and They Will Come. In my interview with the freelancer, we'll chat about what it takes to stand apart from the crowd, create engaging content, and embrace the salesperson within. It's not just about making products anymore, but breaking through the noise barrier that is the Twitter sphere or meme-laden Facebook feed. I've said this a million times, if you're not a big brand, you're up against every GIF meme or link shared on the internet, including but not limited to new Netflix releases, BuzzFeed articles, or even Kevin Hart on Instagram, all grabbing for your potential customer's eyes, stealing the attention you need to sell your stuff. You might not like this, but I don't think making products and selling digital products as a part-timer is going to work much longer. The more of us freelancers flood the market with content to consume and products to purchase, the more the bar is raised. You either need a kick-ass quality product or to be a tremendous marketer with an even more engaged audience. Put it this way, I've been producing a podcast for the last three years, publishing engaging and opinionated WordPress-related audio and video, and I rarely sell anything of mine on the show. Of course, that is until I tried to sell 12 t-shirts in two weeks, and I barely made it past the finish line with two days to spare, which boils down to this. No one really likes my t-shirt. Number two, I don't think the market is ready for it. Number three, no one gives a damn. And number four, my audience, divided by my product market fit, really only equals 12 sales. But what the hell do I know about selling t-shirts? Nothing really, I'm just happy that it's going into production. All of this is to say, even with the audience and a product made, you can't always win big. Sometimes you get just okay results, and more often than not, you fail. But this is the game. You accept it and move to the next product or project in your pipeline. After all, you're a freelancer, and that's what you're good at. It's mattreport.com slash subscribe to join the mailing list. Enjoy today's show. Hey, Paul. Welcome to the program, sir. 
Hey, how's it going, Matt? It's going well. It's a billion degrees here, just south of Boston. <laughs> it's I don't even know what that because I would have to convert it to Celsius because I'm in Canada, so I don't even know what that would even be in like actual <laughs> degrees, not just American degrees. Yeah, American degrees, right? <laughs> uh, so, Paul, for folks who don't know in the audience, how do you make a living in this world? Well, Matt, I have no idea currently how I make a living. <laughs> I do a lot of different things. So I guess from from top to bottom and briefly, mostly most of my income and most of my living comes from making and teaching online courses. So I teach a course called The Creative Class, which is the business of freelancing. I also teach a fairly new course called Chimp Essentials, which teaches people how to use their mailing list for their business to drive revenue, audience growth, that sort of thing. I was previously for a very long time a designer and developer and I've been using WordPress since pretty much the beginning of WordPress Mm -hmm. and I have lots of they've sent me lots of t-shirts over the (laughs) years so I have lots of WordPress t-shirts and I love my WordPress t-shirts um I also host two podcasts and I write a newsletter called the Sunday Dispatches which I send out every Sunday to to whoever listens (laughs) or whoever feels like reading it that's awesome. You know, yeah. I, I, I just I just realized something. What is up with you Canadians and just being so awesome at online courses? I've have now I have you on the show. I've had Wes Boss on the show who's uh nice. Yeah, his stuff you. is awesome. And I've had Justin Jackson on the show. I mean you guys are just cranking it out with awesome yeah. digital products. And we all know each other. I'm talking to Justin in an hour. Like we all know each other. <laughs> Tukes is Canada. That's right. That's right. It's a small place. It's a yeah. small small place. Your recent episode that went out, um, the in uh, the newsletter, and of course, uh, I subscribe to you on SoundCloud is where I listen to you cool. uh, most often. Uh, it's called the Advice Gold Rush. Or this episode was called the Advice Gold Rush, uh, and you hit my biggest frustration nail right in the head, not on the head, in the Ooh. head. <laughs> uh, mediocrity in the online and digital product space, uh, because on the surface it looks easy, which creates that rush, uh, as you refer to it as a rush of people to it. Um, and people flock to it because they think it's easy income, right? They think, you know, that here, I'm, I'm selling advice, right? I'm selling it. Uh, I, I've been doing this thing for six months. I know what I'm doing. I exactly. know what I'm doing. I'm going to go read about sell. it on medium. Right. <laughs> um, I just want to set the stage, uh, cause people who follow me know, I, I sort of rant about this all the time. What I do is I take screenshots of all these landing pages that bombard me on Facebook. Like I purposely click on them so I could get retargeted yeah. so I could see the next piece of shit that comes out. Exactly. And you're, <laughs> and they're, you're costing them money as right. well. Right. <laughs> and I'm bad. costing I never thought about that. That's actually, <laughs> that's kind of evil. Um, but I sort of I set the stage for this discussion because I love it. Uh, but my brother runs a membership site too. He uh, was a full-time developer, went to contract, and they're sort of cutting off his contract. So now he needs to sell his membership stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he's got no choice now because this is, he needs to make money. Um, and he's realized that over this time, over the course of this year and a half he's been running his membership site, he hasn't really need to sell. He hasn't had this momentum to sell because he has a day job. Um, and I feel like... So much of this mediocrity that we see, mediocrity that we see in the in the online digital marketing space is because people are like, nah, I don't really eh, if if I if I make money it's good, I don't really need to make money, so I'll just throw this piece of crap out there and see what I can get. Um, you know, can you so even if you're repeating what you re- spoke about in in your podcast, 
um, in the Advice Gold Rush. I mean, what is it about this ecosystem yeah. that we find ourselves in? Yeah, so I think there's kind of been a rush to, because in the, and I've been doing this for like, so I've worked for myself for 20 years. So I've seen a lot of things come and go, which is interesting. And I actually like looking at it kind of long term view. But in the beginning of working for yourself, like when I started working for myself in the 90s, people didn't even know what that really meant. Like I was doing design and development, and they're like, well, so you work like at an agency sometimes, or like, what's your day job working for yourself? And it's like, it doesn't, doesn't even make sense. And then everybody flocked to freelancing, which I think is awesome. I also teach a course on that. So it's, it's definitely beneficial to me and my ends. But now it seems like, so that was kind of, people flocked to like the gig-based economy, as Seth Godin calls it, and flocked to um, like services for clients, which a lot of people did and, and still do. But now there's this sort of like shuffle over to selling advice so freelancing is no longer cool it's well you got to have you got to be you got to be a product maker and in order to make products most people don't know don't have like the technical skills to make like a SaaS company or like sell wordpress seeds or that sort of thing so like what's what's the easiest thing to sell and that's advice right cuz sure. like all you need to do is have some and most people have <laughs> some opinion on something <laughs> right and so there's been this shift away from like making things for clients for money where you say like, okay, this I'll make you this WordPress site or this website or whatever for this amount of money and then you do it and then you get paid. And that's typically how it works. You, you're, trading you're trading time or some value that you have to a client for money. And now it's kind of shifted to be more, well, it can be a bit more nebulous now because it's like, okay, now I'll, I'll do some work and then I'll just start making money off of my opinions and selling advice and having this course on advice or writing this article on Medium that blows up and does absolutely nothing for me because who fucking cares? Like I've written articles on Medium that I've got like two or 300,000 reads and it's done nothing. Like there's been no increase in income, no increase in mailing list subscribes. <laughs> no, not, like it just, just doesn't do anything. But it's like, ooh, this is, it's like vanity metrics right. basically. Yep. So it's kind of it's moved, and I think advice is harder to sell than creative work. Like creative work is easier to sell. It's not easy to sell. It's easier to sell, and I corrected myself because you have a skill that somebody else doesn't. Therefore, that skill is valuable, and they will pay you to do that skill, like web design or writing or programming or that sort of thing. Whereas advice is just like I know some things that you could probably Google on the internet, and I learned them over the last couple months. And people kind of and I think the problem with advice isn't advice itself. It's this rush into selling advice that kind of rubs me the wrong way where people are like, well, I'm an expert at this. And it's like, really? You, you read about it or you learned about it from somebody else secondhand. And there's, it's, it's weird because advice is like this. It, and I think this is what I wrote in the article when I said on my podcast was advice requires a critical mass of belief, which is like domain expertise or authority. And it's hard to get that quickly. Like it's hard to have like a one hit wonder article or like social media posts or something that builds into this like, okay, this person is now like the domain authority at this and therefore I will buy their $600 course and subscribe to their $100 a month mastermind membership, which I'm, people paying for mastermind groups, it just, that also rubs, <laughs> rubs me the wrong way. I'm actually in a mastermind group with Justin and that's why I'm talking to him in an hour, but we don't pay each other to do sure. that. Sure. We just jump on the phone and chat. Yeah. Which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I, I never understood that. I never understood paying to be in a mastermind. People said it would it would it caused you to just you know, I guess 
invest more, probably literally, <laughs> giving money. Into well, this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think, yeah, I mean, to me, mastermind groups seem like a, a group of, of peers that are at about the same place that just need to bounce ideas off each other. Otherwise, it's like group consulting, which should actually be cheaper. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Um, yeah, you know, I, I just I just don't get it either. It does rub me, you know, people that 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 thirty second entrepreneur who just throws the label on on their you know Facebook profile. Look, there's a there's I'm in I work at a co working space every now and again. I actually have an office that I pay for where my team is as well. But yeah. um, God, I hope she's not listening. But there's this there's this girl that's in there, woman now I guess, and. Uh, recently launching a Facebook page and it's like entrepreneur, business coach, lifestylist, um, you know, and marketer. And then after all of those headlines, there's sub headlines that say we'll develop business plans, copywriting, marketing, Facebook advertisements. And then if that's Thanks. not enough, <laughs> I saw her tweet the other day that she's also a, a, a pedicab driver uh, down on this <laughs> island. And I'm just like, all of the things. How, 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 how do you do this, right? <laughs> you are not any of them. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. And it's frustrating as well to people who do, like, my first course took months and months to develop, months and months of beta testing and running through with, with students to see how effective it was. It was based on my experience and the experience of lots of other people that I interviewed. Like, it was a process. And I see people pumping out online courses in, like, a few days and charging more than like some of my courses. I'm right. like, really? really? But then yeah. it doesn't work out anyway. So it kind of sorts itself out. Right. And, and I was, this is actually one of the questions I had here. Was that, was that first course for you, the creative class? Uh, yeah, I think that was my first course. Well, I had a couple email courses that were just free Well, I got sure. paid by sponsors to make them. So it was free to consumers. But yeah, that was my first, uh, like deep dive into, into courses. So, um, my question here is, can you explain sort of maybe the launch process of what it takes to launch something like your recent chimp essentials versus maybe what you did in the beginning with the creative class, like differences in structure and creating the content or overall mindset? Like what did you learn from that first course that you applied to, to say Chimp Essentials? Uh, yeah, I, it was kind of, um, a lot of it was the same. So I changed a couple that, like tech things, like I'd use a different membership plugin for WordPress, Sure, <laughs> but I still use Stripe <laughs> and MailChimp. Yep. Obviously, I use MailChimp because I teach a course on Chimp Essentials that would on MailChimp. Which so plugin did you weird. use? Because I'm sure my audience would. Love uh, Restrict Content Pro there from Pippin. Yep, I love Pippin and his whole team are awesome. When I launched Chimp Essentials uh, from March one to March thirty one, if there's thirty one days in March, I probably had about thirty emails to their support team just asking questions. And because I'm also a developer, I was trying to make it do things that I just wanted it to do that weren't like stock features. They like it cost that like there were so many email threads that I had with them and they gladly answered all of them so quickly. And I was like, okay, this is and I think I paid I got like the the one down from lifetime. I probably will upgrade to lifetime. So it was like two hundred bucks. And I had so much of their support's time. And I was like, okay, this is the plugin for me. And it works really great too. You know what but, the you know what the amazing thing is about that about that answer? You know how sure. in the middle of your podcast a little jingle comes on and then your sponsorship read place yeah. restrict content pro is my sponsor for my other podcast plugged in radio <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so now i don't even have to slice and dice any of this audio you just did it there for me yes 
yes. uh, Restrict Content Pro for all your membership needs in WordPress. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yep. There, I'm switch. I've switched everything over to them. I love it so much. Awesome. But back to your actual question about how I set it up. I actually nothing really like there wasn't a whole lot of changes. Like I kind of used the same process from Creative Class, like with the like developing the content and then research and like talking to other people about it and then beta testing it and then testing it again and then tweaking the onboarding and making everything basic, like just spending a lot of time on it and then launching. The only thing that changed was creative classes evergreen and chimp essentials is open close. And it's only open close because MailChimp changes their interface and functionality all the time. And I want the course, if I'm actively selling it to be up to date. So I actually have to re-record, like this month I'm re-recording a bunch of the videos because automation has fundamentally changed in MailChimp and a few other things like creating Twitter lead gen cards has changed. Zapier changed their entire interface design like a few days before I launched and there's a, there's a few lessons about Zapier. So that's really the, the biggest difference is the... Um, is evergreen versus open close and promotion for those two things works slightly different but fundamentally the way that I set it up and the way that I went about creating the course I learned so much from creative class that I just kind of took that and I just applied that to how I would make the the next course it's awesome the um, next question that I have uh, for you on on this is one of the things that I that I admire about sort of Justin Jackson, and, and maybe this is just a little bit of sort of side note here, but he I, I feel like he sort of does like these little micro launches to to stimulate interest, to stimulate yeah. the list. Uh, is that something that you apply in, in your business as well, or um, or at least maybe attempting to now moving forward? Um, like I definitely figure out interest and all of that way before I start making the course. So I'll write articles on the topic, see how well they received. That's I'll, actually, yes, what I was getting at, yes. Yeah, I'll do little surveys in my emails. like just. And MailChimp is so great for that, where you can just insert a simple poll by typing like two merge fields. And it's just like, yes, I'm interested in this. No, I'm not. And I get a pretty good pulse of of, of my audience from that. And then just in, and then even in like the interview process of going about how I'm going to structure the material or what material I'm going to cover or not cover, I rely so much on, and actually this is what I like about Justin more so than myself in terms of personality. Like he will actually call people up and talk to them about things. He will, if somebody cancels a subscription to one of his services, he'll call them up and talk to them about why. Not like confrontationally because <laughs> he's like the nicest guy on yeah. the planet, but just like, hey, so what, so what, what could I do better? And like that's the way he does it, and it works really well, and that's why he does such a good job. For me, I rely mostly on email and like um, type form surveys and and that sort of thing. So I, we both kind of approach it the same way, where we're constantly doing as much audience research as possible, so we come up with the best ideas for our audience, and then we make sure that they continually that there's a, a product market fit all the time. But yeah, he does it in a much more personal way. I do it more in a like, here's a type form survey, or here's like an automation sequence that will trigger if you click a certain link on the email that will get me the information that I need. Sure, yeah, sort of get all that data together, then <laughs> sift through it yourself. Yeah. Um, so taking a piece of what we talked about before about the advice gold rush, and then taking... Uh, 
the lessons learned from putting these two courses together at scale. I mean, can there be part-time product makers that actually put out great stuff? Because when you look at what Justin does, what you do, what West Boss does, especially West Boss latest course, ES6.io, I mean, it's a sexy, sexy landing page. I mean, it's beautiful. Yeah, and he so much work. So much work. (laughs) So much work. So, I mean, can't is, is it like... You know, is it like that there's there's so much competition now that you just literally, you have to just be great. You have to be great to break through the noise. I mean, I, mean, I guess that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, no well, I think there's a few things. I think there's a few things after you've answered the question that you asked me. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think that that's definitely one thing. Like the everything, will, sales and marketing fall flat if the thing that you're marketing and selling sucks. Like it has to be not only good and high quality, but it has to be a good fit and it has to be positioned in a way that your audience understands the value of why they need to give you money for it. Mm. Like that's something that people, like a lot of people spend all of this time making this like awesome product and then they do a shitty job of marketing it or they like mention it once on their mailing list and on Facebook and then nobody buys it and then they think that it failed. When in reality, like people like Justin and I spend like months marketing something, like pre-marketing something, then marketing it, then after like post-marketing it. <laughs> so there's so much work that's involved in in that sort of thing. But uh, to come back to the the first part of the question that you asked, it's a hundred percent doable, even if you're not doing things full time. Like I was the first when I made creative class, I still had a full client roster for web design. Right. When I created Chimp Essentials. I can only dedicate probably about 25-30% of my time to that because I have other courses and podcasts and writing gigs and and all this other stuff. So nothing that I do takes up 100% of my time and I think that actually is a smarter, or at least I think it is, a smarter way to go about things because it's like diversifying your income. Like You never want to be putting all of your eggs in one basket. And this is why I think that even people that work for companies should have side projects if they're legally allowed to. I know some places you can't, which they're mean. But <laughs> I think that it's always a good idea to to have a diversification of income streams because then if something's not working out, then you've got other things. And that's why like it's never and I think it hopefully comes across in the way that I I market this stuff. It's it's not like pleading. It's not like I need this to work or else I'm screwed like or else I can't pay my mortgage. Because there's always other things that are happening. There's always other things that I'm working on. There's always other things that are that are generating revenue. Because I don't know for sure, and this comes back to the what we were talking about in the beginning. Like I don't know for sure. I can do all the research and interviews and surveys, and I don't know for sure if it's going to work. Right. It's just possibly slightly more likely to work because I've spent so much time creating an audience and developing a relationship and trust with them and researching if there's a product market fit for what I'm making. There's still no guarantees. Sure. Do you, like there's, do, still ze- there's still zero guarantees. Do you have uh, an example of something you've launched that's miserably failed <laughs> that you can talk oh, I about? Tons of things. Yeah. I had two before the software company that I own now. Um, of course, books. I launched two software companies that did one had zero customers. <laughs> and I spent about six months on it. And one and I spent about six months on it with a developer who's now one of the lead developers at Twitter and a, a marketing guy who's owned a bunch of like multi-million dollar companies. And like it, it wasn't a B team. I guess I could have been the B. In that, <laughs> but. And then the other company had exactly one customer for three months, maybe two, two or three months. 
And then even, I think it was last year, it might have been at the end of the year before, I launched a course called Unlost, which just, I think we maybe did like $2,000, $2,500 in sales, which if this is what's supporting your income, that isn't, and I had to split it with somebody else, then that's not really, like a lot of people would love to make two grand on a course, but if that's all if that's where your income's coming from, then that doesn't really do well. And the other courses, compared to the other courses that I do, that's like wasn't even that that didn't even make a blip in in things. So yeah, I've done lots of things that have completely tanked. So sometimes uh, not articles to, I write to, to my laugh. mailing list. Yeah, not to laugh tanked. at that failure, but <laughs> oh, I laugh at it all the time. It's funny. Um, so developers are funny. You as a recovering developer, <laughs> um, especially in the WordPress space, and a lot of what you just said before about developers just not, uh, you know, not 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 even just not doing the marketing, which is a terrible sentence. Not even just they haven't even made the leap to try marketing. They don't know where to begin. They don't know how to do it. They just want to be busy building, you know, the code and clean code and tab spacing and so on and so forth. Um, in my circle, I run with a lot of WordPress developers, and all they tell me is they need help marketing. They uh, they need to make the leap to bring you know their plugin from 1,000 active installs to 10,000 active installs. But what I've found are developers, even in WordPress, even in the world of open source, they're the last people on earth that wants to work with somebody else because it's always, I got to do it my way. I have to have complete control. Um, not many of them that I found have been super open to collaboration, at least on the business side of things. Yeah. Which is where I think they really need it is to make these sort of collaborative efforts together to either cross-promote, cross-sell. Um, but any other words of wisdom for, for developers to sort of break out of that shell, maybe some eye-opening advice from, for them specifically for a developer? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of in the same place where like I have to do everything myself. Like I could host, I could host my courses on like Teachable or Teachery or some awesome course platform. I'm not. I, I need to develop the WordPress theme from scratch based on <laughs> designs that I come up with. Install the plugins. I've written a couple plugins for Restrict Content Pro because it does what it does perfect, but I wanted it to do just a little bit more. So I totally get that. And the way that I kind of approached sales and marketing was that I needed to learn how to because I wasn't going to like hire somebody to do that. But I needed to, if I wasn't going to do that, I had to learn how to actually do that. I had to figure out how that would work for me and my business. So that's why I do things like, that's just like why developers hate like adding documentation to their code. It's like, <laughs> I just rather be coding. <laughs> yeah. But all of these things, like if you're going to do something on your own, you need to wear all the hats. Like you need to learn how to become a communicator. And that's difficult. That's a difficult pill to swallow for every single developer ever. Right. Is you need to, like, uh, sales and marketing is communication. And most people are developers because they don't want to communicate. Yeah. So you need to figure that out or bring somebody else on board. And that's why a lot of tech co founders are co founders. Because if that's not what you want to do, Awesome. Find somebody else who's going to do it for you because that's just as important as the, as the programming that you're doing. And, and short of, you know, having a, a, a rich suite of product offerings like Pippin does with mm -hmm. Restrict Content, Easy Digital Downloads, and Affiliate WP, and some other plugins that he sells. Other developers, especially the ones who have just started out, they have one or two plugins at most, and they're selling it way too cheap, right, for, for what it offers. And a lot of it, 
is like, well, I mean, I'd love to do Facebook ads or, or hire a, a content writer or something like that, but there's just not enough revenue coming in, coming in. But a lot of it has, well, maybe we should circle back and look at the pricing, uh, or maybe offer professional services on top of it to at least sort of stimulate some cash and, and be able to hire to, to, to answer these things. Yeah. I mean, I, I funded like being able to take a few months to make creative class because I was doing like web design and development. Like right. that totally fun. Like I keep my income streams separate on the books because I like to see what's doing well and not doing well. But the only reason I could take months to build this course is because I was making money as a designer developer. Sure. Right. Right. Um, somebody comes to you and they say, I like what you're doing. I like this digital product scene. I want to build a product too. What's your one word of advice to them? <laughs> Do it. Well, that's two words, but <laughs> do. <laughs> do. <laughs> like a zombie. Yeah. I mean, like, if that's something that's going to that, that's gonna light you up, then do it. You're not, there's no guarantees that you're going to make any money doing it. But, and also, there's going to be a lot of other things that aren't fun. Like, sometimes the sales and marketing isn't fun. Sometimes setting up 32 email automation sequences isn't fun. Sometimes writing all of the words that need to go in those 32 email automation sequences isn't fun. But there's like a lot of people see like, oh, I want to passive income, digital products, words, type money into the internet and or type words into the internet and money comes out. And there's so much work that goes into it. Like there's so much work that goes into every single person that has a successful product on the internet didn't get there from like luck and slacking. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like there's just no way. Like that's just not how the world works. And even if you do a ton of hard work, there's still no guarantees. So if you're okay with that, do it. Right. Like I, I'm okay. I'm okay with the gamble there because it's it's fun. I won't go like I won't spend more than twenty dollars if I go to Vegas. But I will one hundred percent gamble on random ideas I have for making money on the internet because right. to me that's way more fun. <laughs> and the odds are maybe slightly better. I don't even know. I haven't. I, mean, I haven't been able to sort of in intelligently sort of wrap this and, and find a good way to uh, to define it. But I don't, you know, there are days, as I'm sure you experience the same, where you wake up and you go, oh, God, I, I, I could just get a job, right? I could just <laughs> I could just go back to work and pack myself a tuna sandwich every night, get ready for the commute, and, uh, and, and just give me a steady paycheck uh, and let me just do my thing. Especially I just had a child, a, a baby boy, and it's just like, Man, do I really want to be doing all this other stuff? But there's, I don't know what it is. There's, it's the entrepreneur's journey is fear, joy, craziness, sweat and tears, blood, yeah. more sweat, tears and blood. But whatever <laughs> happens, I go to sleep at night and I wake up. I've forgotten all of that and I'm just back at it again. Um, I don't know what it is, but I think there's this chemical reaction in, in our brains that just keep us chugging along for better or worse. But it's the it's not being afraid of the worst to wake yeah. up every day to keep doing it. Yeah, and the worst is typically never like to me. The worst is dying an embarrassing death, right? <laughs> and making products on the internet is like I can't see how that would end in me dying an embarrassing death, right? <laughs> so the worst case scenario is that I totally lifted that from Oliver Berkman's The Antidote book, which is phenomenal. <laughs> but like, it's there's just it's the worst case scenario is never the worst case scenario, right? Here, here lies Paul Jarvis, who only made two thousand dollars on a digital ebook. 
May exactly. he rest in peace. <laughs> exactly. And he could never do any, and just because I did that, I could never do anything ever again or never have any ideas or never try to sell any other thing on the internet. Let's talk about your brand. Um, and this is sort of, uh, maybe you have an uh, a master plan for all this. You're Elon Musk with your, uh, you know, write a blog post and your stock goes up 12%. Uh, <laughs> Light rail and electric. Yeah. Wheelers. Um, you have a lot of products and, I, and I've wondered about this for a lot of folks that, that do digital products like you and Justin Jackson and everybody else. Um, how do you see yourself sort of molding the brand as you continue to launch more products? And then you said you have products that are evergreen, uh, you have software. Like, do you have one digital storefront in the future? Is there a marketplace of Paul Jarvis products? Like, what does that look like? Or does it not even matter in, in sort of these standalone um, product sites will just, you know, live on their own and you'll push marketing to each an individual uh, piece? Yeah, the latter is typically how it works. And there is there has not been a grand overseeing strategy to everything. And I think that's a, an error on my part. So moving forward... I am working a bit more strategically with like the overall gameplay because I'm one guy like I don't have an assistant I don't have employees like I'm one dude making stuff so uh, what I'm doing now is scaling everything back and I'm actually going to be launching less products but with more focus because I can't dedicate like I sell four WordPress themes that sell fairly well but I don't talk about them and then if I do talk about them then they sell much better but I just don't have time because I'm doing other things right right so like I just need to kill off a whole bunch of my products and focus on ones that kind of intersect the what I'm stoked on and what my audience stoked on, what my audience giving me money for. If there's like a Venn diagram of three circles or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I am kind of I haven't been super strategic with like an overall game plan, but that is actually changing because it needs to, because I'm pulled in too many directions right now with too many products and too many offerings and too many too many Paul Jarvis things. So <laughs> Too much Paul Jarvis. Exactly. <laughs> um, what 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 have you seen in the WordPress world that needs to change? Which is a tough topic to talk about. <laughs> That's <laughs> Especially, super tough to talk, talk about. Uh, it, you know, is it? You know, the the one that most folks sort of lean towards is what is WordPress? It's a blogging site. No, it's a CMS. No, it's an app foundation. No, it's an e-commerce uh, foundation. No, it's a membership site. Like what? What? Like, is there a branding issue that you might identify in the WordPress world that you can maybe enlighten to those of us listening? Is there anything that you see that? Hey, if you were head of WordPress, you would maybe take it in this direction. <laughs> Look automatic. Yeah. Here's the thing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think one of the things is what, what you touched on, which is a lot of developers severely underprice their, their themes or their plugins. And that definitely, like, it's hard to make money off of something that costs less than somebody's monthly coffee bill. Like, it's just, it's just really difficult. And I have some very inexpensive products. And to, to get that volume happening is difficult. And even like an example is I, I before I started making courses and that I was I was writing books and I was I sold a lot of books and I've sold one of the books that I wrote sold over 150,000 copies, which sounds cool, but if you make less than a dollar on that book, 
then it's not that. And then Amazon keeps a bit because I'm Canadian. And then the government, (laughs) like, it just chips away till it's almost no money. But then if you have a course that's like, say, $300 and you sell a couple thousand copies of it, then you've like 20, 30 X your revenue of selling a few thousand things versus like over a hundred thousand things. So I think that's definitely one of them. I think the other thing, and you touched on this too, is that WordPress is fairly nebulous right now because it's trying to be all of the things to all of the people. And a lot of people are kind of like, well, I'll just use ghost or I'll just use, I just want something easy. So I'll use Squarespace or I'm a hipster developer. So I want to use like a flat file CMS like Kirby or something like that. So it kind of, it's starting. It's also starting to show its age a little bit with like PHP and MySQL, and, and there's so much other like trendier stuff. And I mean, they are kind of shifting to be able to develop to make it even more nebulous, but more with cooler technologies. Like when they started to introduce all the rest stuff. So I think there's definitely they, they are moving and they are agile as they can be for being like a fairly big organization. But it's just difficult. Like it's hard to say. It's hard to put like your finger on what you can do with WordPress because it's everything. Which in some ways that's good, but in some ways that just makes for like a little bloat here and there because it just does all of the things. And even with plugins, he said the I, B word, people. He <laughs> said the B word. He was afraid to say it, but he said. Is it, is it somebody? Somebody just yelled bingo yeah. in Boise. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, I, I don't know what it takes to run a company with employees or to run, a, like, organization like that, and I wouldn't have a clue, and I would be the worst person to do that. But, yeah, there's always room for, for improvement sure, for, sure. for those sorts of things. But that, that said, like, I still, every site I ever build is still on WordPress. Right. Like, I love, I love it. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny that you say you talk about the trendy stuff. I mean, I, there's an article floating around, and I should probably dig it up for the show notes here. Uh, somebody's launching a theme store. They create and sell themes, but they're not using WordPress to sell it. Which they're not <laughs> using WordPress site to sell the themes. Which to me is a little makes me a little yeah. easy because it's like, hey, I sell BMWs, but then I drive home in a Mercedes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, like, oh, okay. Why don't you drive the the BMW? Um, Wrapping up, I want to talk about uh, your software, the software arm of the empire that is Paul Jarvis. Um, it's, of course, books.com. And I'd just like to know a little bit more sort of about this product uh, and your experience with running this versus the digital single, so, sort of single off digital download uh, or course and which one you like better. Is it the software? Is it a mix of both? Uh, I know you mentioned before you like multiple revenue streams, which is awesome too. But what what drastic differences do you do you see with these types of businesses? Yeah, I mean the, the first one is obviously recurring revenue. Yep. Like, it, of course, but and I'll just back up. Of course, books makes um, interactive workbooks for online course software. It doesn't matter what software; it kind of plugs in anything, so students can answer questions, save them, print them out as PDFs, interact with other students, talk to teachers. It's basically like when you sign up for um, an online course and you get some shitty PDF that you fill in, and then you just <laughs> lose it or save it, or it gets saved to a folder that's called unused on your desktop. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the the product market fit we're going for is so people can actually so course creators can create things that make their that help their students learn better and that help the the notes that they take be a bit more interactive. 
And it's obviously different because it's uh, like I have two co-founders with that, Zach Gilbert and Jason Zook. And Zach is the developer. I'm kind of the developer light and then the design and marketing. And then Jason's like operations and making it all keep running. So it's fun to just be able to do the things that I do best. And then the other two people do what they do best. So that's obviously very good about it. So, yeah, it's it's also interesting to have something where it is recurring revenue and where there's churn and where there's people that want features, but because it's a product, not a service, like you, like you can't please everybody. Like if they wanted to do one thing and only one person's ever asked for it, like we're not going to build that. <laughs> like we're just not going to build that feature. Right. right. So, and that's funny. So the app run, the app's a Rails app, but the front end site's a WordPress site. Nice. So you have them on, <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I'm not going to build, I'm not going to build something on a Rails CMS. I'm going to build it on WordPress. But then, yeah, the app itself so needs you, to run on Rails. So you must be excited at sort of uh, what I'll call the, the, the indie SaaS or the blue collar SaaS uh, companies like ConvertKit recently, I think maybe a million, two million bucks in, 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 in some funding and Rob Walling recently selling. Yeah, he uh, sold Drip. Yeah, sold Drip to uh, lead pages. Yeah, um, who which, raised the money to be able to buy it. It wasn't even their own money, which is kind of like, really? Yeah. But <laughs> So investment, yeah. So, two cents. So you, I mean, I'm, I, with news like that, and sort of those two individuals as founders, sort of you know coming from the same sort of cut from the same cloth, sort of starting things out on their own, started small, some courses, and now uh, growing into that. Is that sort of where you're aiming this to be, or do you like more of a controlled nope. thing? Yeah, I like it. And I, like I, I've told Jason and Zach, like if this grows beyond the three of us, I'm out. Like right. I'm not interested in employees or a company, and I, like Nathan's a friend of mine, and he does su- he did such a good job transitioning from like dude who makes courses and writes books to dude who owns a company and has like I don't even know how many employees they have now, probably between fifteen and twenty, and like figuring out how to grow that beyond just like him making courses, making money, I think is awesome and super smart. And he does a good job with that. That yeah. said, that's not something I ever want to do. Yeah. Like I'm not interested. Like I've worked for myself for 20 years because I don't want employees because they don't want any of that. And with of course books, I like that the three founders, like we can just log in in the morning, spend about five, 10 minutes answering support emails each. Be done. Yeah. Talk about features we want to build, talk about where we want to take it whenever we want and just kind of we can let it run and grow in a more organic way like I don't care about like growth hacking or getting in tech crunch or having investors like, I just don't care like it, yeah. just does, it just does not matter to me in any way whatsoever because that's not the type of person I am other people like are really good at growing and flipping companies and that's great like if that's their revenue stream then that's super hard to do. So good for them. Right, right, right. right. Like I don't, I don't even know how to do that. So yeah, I think it's kind of like, like I run my business the way that I want to run my business based on the life that I want to lead. Right. And Nathan does that too, and Rob does that too, and that's why like the three of us are so very different. But the, and there's no right way. Like there's no, there's not one of us is right, and the others not, or the other two are not. It's just like each of those people run their business the way that suits their life the best and that suits their personality and suits what they want to, how they want to spend their days the best. Right. Right. And you know, I, I'd even say maybe it's because I'm, I'm so used to, um, sort of the, the plug-in pricing models of, 
you know, two, one or two sort of, you know, entry level price developer or yeah, developer price. And then sort of like this lifetime option. You have a lifetime option on this site for, um, you know, a SaaS product, which I don't ever think I've ever seen a real lifetime. I've always see the monthly and the annual. I never see a sort of lifetime. And that to me speaks, uh, you know, I don't want to say, I don't want you to take this in a bad way, but it definitely makes it seem like, Hey, this is, this isn't your typical, sort of SaaS business, right? Because yeah. they're giving me a, an option to just buy it for life where probably most SaaS companies be like, no way. Like we want this every year to come in. Well, that's, I can't remember the name of the company now, but it's a spinoff from 37 Signals where... Oh, I know uh, what you're talking about. Yep. They uh, only have, you yep. You pay once per member per per lifetime, which yeah, I like think is... Feedback, I, yeah, it's a feedback survey-ish kind yeah, of SaaS. Yeah, can't, can't remember what it's called. But anyway, that, but they, and I was just reading the article about them yesterday with that, and I'm like, that, that is kind of cool. And yeah, we have lifetime opt because we're not, and I, we do consider ourselves kind of an anti-startup because we do things kind of weird and different. And like we pre-funded this software by pre-selling it. And like I don't know of any other SaaS company that does this. Like people could buy a lifetime membership to it before it existed. Because we knew we wanted to build it. And we we're just like, okay, let's see if there's if other people would put their money where their mouth is and buy it. And then we raised a whole bunch of money from that. Like I wouldn't want to take investment to do that. Right. Personally. But like if people are going to give us their money to build it, then that's awesome. Right. I love that last line on the lifetime plan that says access until you die with the skull and crossbones. I've always uh, wanted to use that emoji. You know, like, all right. Oh, man. Good. It's such, a, it's such a great, you know, it's such a great line because, you know, I, I sell themes and plugins and I get this question, what does what the, the lifetime option mean? What does the unlimited plan mean? <laughs> it means you have it until you die. That's what it means. Exactly. Like, there's no questions. Or until the three of us die. Which right, might be yeah. print somewhere. <laughs> but like, yeah. And Jason, actually, because he has a software company called Teachery that lets you build online courses, and he's the same. He has a lifetime option. He actually sold his future last year as well. Speaking of lifetime saw, options, yeah, that's like that. the the biggest lifetime option possible. Yeah, yeah, I did see that. I forget where I he, I was. You know, on one of the podcasts that I listened to, I I heard him say that. That was pretty yeah. amazing. Paul Jarvis, this has been an amazing conversation, sir. I can't uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time to speak to us, speak to our audience, learn a little bit something uh, new in the marketing uh, space, the product space. And now that I think about it, this entire season, uh, season three of the Matt Report has been uh, just bombarded with membership stuff, and uh, it happened uh, coincidentally. So um, thanks for taking the time, sir. Where can folks find you on the web to say thanks? Cool. Yeah, thanks, Matt. I'm Google Paul Jarvis. I'm the first couple pages of, of, of that little software company. Yes, don't don't let him die. <laughs> don't let him die only selling $2,000 worth of a PDF. <laughs> exactly. Paul, thanks for taking the time. Everybody else, matreport.com slash subscribe. Join the mailing list. Head on over to Plugged In Radio uh, where we're talking all about WordPress tutorials for plugins and services. Uh, and that's also at youtube.com slash plugin tut. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>